Hey everyone, this is David from Wisconsin. I'm Jack's podcast producer. I just wanted to remind you real quick that Jack has a podcast hotline. You can leave him a voicemail at 920-415-4525. All you got to do is leave your name, where you're from, roughly, and then your question or comment, whatever. Jack really does want to hear from you. Again, that number is 920-415-4525. You can also text your questions to that number or email jack at jack.hager at gmail.com. All of those contacts will be in the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Well, hey there. It has been longer than I wanted to record one of these, but it has been a crazy three and a half, four weeks. I was in Louisville, Kentucky for the Together for the Gospel Conference. Then I went to Coralville, Iowa for the National Bible Quiz Tournament. Then I made a sort of emergency trip to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to meet with a young man who had recently been paralyzed from the neck down. That's a story in and of itself. Uh, Then I had a meeting in St. Louis, and it's just been kind of crazy. But life is like that. Life is messy. I want to talk to you a little bit about my young friend in Pittsburgh. I did a Zoom conference with a high school class at a Christian high school in Pittsburgh, Uh, probably in early March. A couple days later, this young man who was in that class and had asked me some good questions was basically playing leapfrog with some friends. They were preparing for a skit. Something happened. He fell on his rear end, leaned back. I can't move. C5 fracture, paralyzed from the neck down. For some reason, he and I connected, or he connected with me, I guess, a couple days after the injury. He asked his mom if he could ask me some questions. They emailed those questions to me, most of which I answered with, I don't know, because there are questions like, did God punish me? Is God trying to teach me something through this, et cetera, and so forth, to which I don't have a good answer. After a while, he said, is there any way Jack could come out and visit me? And again, I don't know quite why he wanted me to do that, and it just didn't fit, just couldn't make it fit with my existing schedule. And then a couple of weeks ago, got another email, hey, can you reconsider, is there any way? And I looked at my calendar and I said, I can't do it, I can't fix anything by being there, I just, I just don't, I, I can't make it fit. Can I tell you, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I am not saying people don't, but I never have. And I didn't that particular afternoon either, but it might as well have been. It was crystal clear direction. Get a plane ticket, go out there and visit with Nate. So I did. It was inconvenient. It was unscheduled, but life is messy. And what we perceive to be interruptions could well be a God wink, could well be God orchestrating something. And I'm convinced this was that. I flew to Pittsburgh, was picked up at the airport, went to the hospital. His mom did not tell him I was coming uh, in case the plane was delayed or I changed my mind. I walked in the room and Nate got a big smile on his face and it was a encouraging visit. I just listened to him. He couldn't speak, so we had to read lips and his mom was pretty adept at that. And again, he asked some of those questions that I had no answers to. His mom later told me that she felt the reason he wanted me there is he knew that I wouldn't give many Christian cliches. He knew that I wouldn't try to, quite frankly, BS him. And hopefully that's true, because I can't say what I don't know. And I don't know that it wasn't a discipline of God. 
I don't know. I do know that God wasn't taking a nap when it happened. So at the very least, God allowed it to happen. And I was just as honest and forthright with him as I could be. Shared some Psalms. We had five visits before I had to fly home. The good thing was that a couple of days after I got home, I found out they were able to put a clip in his, in his trach, which allows him to speak. He passed the swallow test, so he was removed from ICU, where he had been for over two months. He was moved from ICU to a rehab wing in the same hospital. So if you would, pray for Nate. God knows his last name. God knows the situation. Pray that his faith would remain strong. Pray for miraculous healing. I believe God can still do that, but I also believe the reason they call them miracles is because they don't happen often. But God knows best. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Just going to share another thing with you. Um, The Tuesday before I caught the flight was my first time physically behind the walls of a prison in two years. When I went in, yeah, I almost wept. Some people get homesick. I was prison sick. Saw a couple inmates who I'd known two years ago. Most of the guys are new to me. Was able to share with them from God's word. And now the decision is, do I jump through the hoops to become a volunteer in corrections, which is what Missouri calls them? Because the situation is, if you're a volunteer, if you're a registered volunteer in every state that I know of, to include the federal system, you cannot correspond with, you can't visit, you can't see the offenders when they're released until they're off parole. For the last two years, early on in COVID, I resigned from being a VIC so I could correspond with visit, and see the guys when they hit the pavement. Now the door is open for me again to become a VIC, to have the opportunity to go in and preach, counsel, etc. But the reality is, the difference is, should I be a shotgun or a sniper? Should I be a shotgun going in and preaching chapels, etc.? Or a sniper concentrating on certain inmates, certain offenders in various states, and then be able to meet with them when they hit the pavement, when they hit the street. As of this moment, I'm not going to jump through the hoops to become a VIC. I'm not going to lose the right to correspond with inmates. Most inmates have email, so we can do it that way, or to see them, more importantly, when they hit the street. There have been some Christian friends that have said, hey, why don't you just do it anyway? Nobody's going to know. But you know what? I know. More importantly, God knows. And I can't preach be submissive to authorities without being submissive to authorities myself. I want to also share with you some of the things that have become reality of late. I don't know for sure how long it's been, at least five years, maybe longer, that I have said in churches, in camps, etc., that as time unfolds, Three things are going to happen. Three things are going to divide the church. Three things are going to divide professing Christians. Three things are going to be those catalyst things that are die-on-the-mountain things for me, but apparently aren't even hills for some people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. What were those three things? I'm glad you asked. Number one, is the Bible the Word of God? If you get that one right, everything else falls into place. But if you start playing games with that, practice what I call Dalmatian theology. I believe the Bible is inspired in spots. I believe this is inspired. Not so sure about this. I know that isn't. 
if you don't believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God, I'm not even going to call on you for silent prayer. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I don't have the right to say that. But if you don't believe the Bible is authoritative, you and I got nothing in common. And again, if you get that question right, the other two questions are answered already. But the second question is, is the practice of homosexual sex sin? Notice I didn't say temptation. I said practice. And if you say no to that, we don't have anything to talk about. Because homosexual sex is sin, as is extramarital sex, premarital sex, and sex with a dog. Homosexual sex is no worse in my judgment than extramarital sex or premarital sex or bestiality, but it is sin. And if you choose not to believe that, you got to cut and paste the Bible. Now, I think all sexual sin, according to 1 Corinthians, has a different connotation to it because it's sin against the body. I think Paul is pretty clear on that. And we Christians need to be real careful that we don't come across as homophobic which all too often we do. And the third question is, is there a place called hell? Is there a place where non-believers spend eternity in torment? Can I be honest with you again? I wish there wasn't. Part of me wishes there wasn't such a thing as hell, which is not the same thing as saying I wish everybody went to heaven because I believe Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about in Matthew 25, 46, when Jesus Christ divides the human race into two categories. These shall go to everlasting punishment. These shall go to everlasting bliss. And in the Greek, he uses the same word to modify. So according to Jesus Christ, there's a place called hell that is just as real as heaven and lasts just as long. I'm not going to argue is hell a lake of fire? I don't know. Is that figurative language? I don't know. You may think that makes me a compromiser. I don't think so. But you're entitled to your opinion. But I do believe there is a place of everlasting separation from God that Jesus called hell. And again, part of me wishes there wasn't. Part of me wishes I could be an annihilist, that if you die without Christ, poof, you're gone. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It's certainly not a place called purgatory where you get a second chance to come to Christ. Uh-uh. It is appointed unto all men once to die. After this, the certain judgment is what Hebrews says. You see, if you believe the Bible, it answers a lot of those questions that are otherwise unanswerable. And for me to say I wish there is no hell just as an indication of my lack of seeing God's holiness and God's justice. Because if God is holy, 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 and he is, and if God is just, and he is, then every sin, every act of rebellion against God, a holy God, must be punished. But I don't fear that punishment. Because the punishment for my sins has already taken place. As Jesus hung on the cross, in my place condemned, he who knew no sin became sin. He who had lived a perfect life, the life that I could not live, 
died the death that I should have died. And the wrath of God, the fury of God, the hatred of God on all sin that should have fallen on this wretched sinner, me, fell on Jesus. It's called substitutionary atonement. And many people who profess to be Christians don't believe it. They say things like, if that's true, that makes God a cosmic child abuser. And in a very perverted sense, they don't even realize how close they are to truth. Certainly, God isn't a child abuser. But God did execute judgment on his son. The difference is his son, his child, was willing. He willingly went to the cross. He did not want to. That's what the weeping in the garden is all about. He wasn't fearing the two and a half inch Judean thorns embedded in his head. He wasn't fearing the nails in his feet and in his wrists. He wasn't fearing the scourging and all that other stuff. But as he cried at least three times in the garden, Father, let this cup be taken from me. It wasn't the cup of punishment. It was the cup of punishment for sin that's depicted all through the Old Testament. The cup that stored up God's wrath, God's fury, God's holy punishment of sin was poured out on Jesus Christ. Till the, as the Getty song says, till on the cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. You may not like that. We may not be able to wrap our heads entirely around it because guess what? He's God, we're not. But it infuriates me when people take that Getty song in Christ alone and change or cut out that verse that talks about God's wrath. I lose all respect for them, whether it's a passion worship leader or somebody else, because they don't like it. I think they're cutting and pasting the word of God. Now, can you be a Christian and not believe in substitutionary atonement? I guess. But I'm sure you're not respecting the word of God as the word of God. Because I believe the Bible is crystal clear on that. Anyway, for five, six, ten years, I don't know. I wish I could go back and know the first time it came to me. And it certainly wasn't a revolutionary observation on my part. It certainly wasn't because I'm a smart guy. It was just because I have an IQ three points higher than plant life. And even back then could look around and see people playing games with the word of God, people that I used to respect, see people playing games with eternal punishment, people that I used to respect seeing people play games with the fact that homosexuality is sin, people that I used to respect. Didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out those are the things that are going to divide the church, the professing church. And those are the things that I believe, as time continues to unfold, again, assuming you have an IQ at least three points higher than an artichoke, you can look around and understand that it may not be very long before taking a stand on homosexuality doesn't just draw stares and shakes of the head, but may draw arrest and worse. It may not be long before refusing to compromise on the doctrine of hell 
results in me not being able to preach at certain places. Hasn't happened yet. But I imagine one of these days, I'll be invited to speak at a camp, and the caveat will be, we'd love for you to come, Jack, just don't talk about homosexuality, just don't talk about hell. And at that point, I'm in a tough position. If I don't go, that means they're just going to have speakers come in who actually don't talk about those two very important items. So do I lie and say I won't talk about them? Or do I leave that particular camp to be fed by closet liberals? Can I tell you the answer to that? I don't know. If you've got advice, I'm willing to listen. We've talked about it in prison. When is it going to be that the Missouri Department of Corrections says, if you want to come in and do religious activity in prison, you cannot talk about homosexuality? Oh, that'll never happen, Jack, Uh uh-huh. Yeah, maybe you're right. These are crazy days. In the last days, difficult times will come. Are we in the last days? Well, we're in the last day of today, and we're another day closer to the return of Jesus Christ, or I'm another day closer to me flatlining and going to be with Jesus. I do believe we're going to see increasingly tough days for those of us that are silly enough, simple enough to cling to Jesus and to cling to his word. And that's why we're to consider it all joy when we encounter various trials. The testing of our faith, the testing of the faith of individual churches, denominations, the individual test of so many things. And I recognize that some of you listening now may have been listening for whatever reason, and now that you've heard me be narrow-minded, I ain't going to listen to Jack no more. And that's certainly your prerogative. Don't. But at the same time, please don't waste your time trying to convince me that I'm wrong on these three things. Because those are mountains I will die on. There's not too many. But I've got convictions. And I think I've mentioned before, I'll mention it again. A preference, like music, worship styles, translation, a preference is something you'll argue about. A conviction, that's something you'll die for. And you take it a step further, a conviction on biblical basis is something you'll let your family die for. That list is real short for me. Do you have a list? Hey, this has gotten a little heavy, and I don't apologize for that. But uh, for now, I've got to move on down the highway, preparing messages for the six or seven weeks of summer camp that I'm doing this year, preparing messages for a little kid's camp that I'm going to speak at. Half of being smart is knowing what you're dumb at, and I'm not real good at speaking to little kids, but we're going to give it a try. I'd appreciate your prayers. I'd appreciate your connecting with me. If you have any questions about anything specific, I'd be glad to try and tackle them. Again, please pray for my buddy, Nate. Please pray for me that I don't waffle in these last days. Please pray for me to have discernment on what to preach about and what not to preach about. Please pray for me to speak truth uncompromisingly, but to speak truth in love. The gospel is offensive, 
but it doesn't need my help to be offensive. Thanks for listening. Jack Hager, talk to you later.